Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about everyone. It's a series we've been on now for seven weeks. This is our eighth week in the series. My goal for the series was very simple, and I laid this out at the very beginning, that you might become more sensitive to people around you, that you might have an opportunity to stir yourself and be aware that there are unsaved, unchurched, hurting and lost people all around your world. There are people that will respond to you if you would speak out. There are people that will respond to God if somebody would give them an opportunity. There are people that have questions that someone can answer and you're the person that could answer them if you would take time to answer them. My goal was simply to get us to pray more, think more, move more toward everyone in our world. In our student world, on the campuses, and the high schools, and the junior highs, and the elementary schools, in our workspaces, our workforce, wherever we go, I want you to be aware of people. I want you to think about people. That people is the primary reason the Lord Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. The primary reason for the incarnation. The primary reason for the cross, the crucifixion, the bloodshed. The primary reason for the resurrection. The primary reason for the life of Christ was to seek and save that which was lost. Was to heal the hurting soul and to bring back to Father God the souls that were lost through the cross connection, through the blood of Jesus. It's our message. It's our primary focus. And I want you to be a person that will remember this and carry this. Even though the series ends today with this message, it's not going to end with our prayer and our emphasis. Every time we kind of plant a seed and I water it some, I want it to grow. I don't want it just to be during that eight-week period or 10 or 12. I want you to keep the seed. I want you to grow with the seed of love for people. How many of you on both campuses this morning would say, Pastor Frank, I have been stirred a little bit more to love people and reach out. Let me see your hands. How many of you have actually had some Holy Spirit opportunities to share with somebody, either the gospel or just talk with them about God? How many have had that? Well, let's not leave it here. Don't leave people on the table. Don't leave a soul lost. Go after it. Let's keep pressing the issue when it comes to talking with people about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, here's our slide. We're going to read it together. This is what my message is about today. The last message is entitled, Everyone is Commissioned by the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Everyone is commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Everyone here in this room, everyone on the West Campus room, everyone that listens to this through the iPod or the DVD or the CD or the tape or however they find this message, we're saying to every single person that the Spirit of the Lord wants to come upon you and commission you to be a mouthpiece for the living God and to speak to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Read this slide out loud with me, everyone together. I must believe that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to use me powerfully to speak to people. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. The Spirit of the Lord wants to come on you. Here's some scriptures for you. And if you are opening your Bible as I read these scriptures, that's fine. You can mark the word upon and the word you in every one of these scriptures. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you, everyone say you. Then say out loud, that's me. Come on, that's me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses 
to me in Jerusalem, your home turf. In all of Judea, metro region, Samaria, cross-cultural, to the ends of the earth, cross-national. Every arena of life, the Holy Spirit anoints people to be the person that will take the gospel into another person's world. The another person in your life could be a friend, a relative, a working buddy, a student, a person that you work part-time with, full-time with, a person in the dorms, wherever it might be. That person that God has put into your life is your Jerusalem. Your Judea can be the metro area when you take the bus, when you drive somewhere, when you go to a different Starbucks or wherever you might go. You need to be aware that you are the person to take the gospel to those areas. And then, of course, cross-culturally, we need to always be moving outside of our comfort zone to talk to people about Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, would you all say the word prayed? When they had prayed, where they were assembled together, the place was shaken. That is, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were all filled. Would you all say the word filled? With the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, it seems like it goes together. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and then speak the Word of God with boldness seems to go together. Why are you filled with the Spirit? That you might speak the Word of God with boldness. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My Spirit who is upon you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, the Spirit's upon you. And I want you to get this message this morning. It's on you. It's not just on the church, not just on the church service. It's not just on your family. It's not just on pastors and missionaries. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. My Spirit who is upon you, and notice, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants. Then he goes further. Nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants. Then he goes even further, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. So the promise of the Spirit of the Lord being upon people's mouth is right from the book of Isaiah, 750 years prior to Christ, right up through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit came upon him, right up through the New Testament in the book of Acts, where the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon them. And now the Spirit is promised to every single person that is a seed of Abraham, which by faith we are, according to the book of Galatians, and we come under the blessing and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now here's a great scripture, Isaiah 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings and good things, who proclaims salvation, who says of Zion, your God reigns. Now this is my point out of Isaiah 52, 7. The gospel does not go anywhere your feet don't go. If you don't go, the gospel doesn't go. Romans 10 says, how can they believe if they don't hear? How can they hear if someone doesn't go? How can they go if they're not sent? If they're not sent, how can the preacher be? And so he goes right through the whole scenario. How can a person respond if they never hear? So God has chosen you to be the feet. Now I want you to imagine something with me right now. Matter of fact, just close your eyes for a second. I want you to imagine 5,000 pairs of feet. That's how many people we have that call City Bible Church their home. A little over five. 
I want you to imagine how many places those feet are going to go this afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, how many schools, businesses, parks, meetings, places, homes. I want you to think about all the places your feet is going to carry you in the next few hours and few days. I want you to imagine that every pair of feet has been prepared with the gospel. Wherever you go, you can preach the gospel. Wherever you land, you can leave a track, you can leave a seed, you can leave a Bible, you can leave a prayer, you can leave an impression, you can leave the love of Jesus. If you could imagine all the feet taking the gospel to every place, it's a thought to behold. It's something to really imagine in your mind. How beautiful are your feet. And wherever you go, you need to bring. Okay, open your eyes. You need to bring good news. Why? I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of bad news. People get bad news every day. Our whole society has a lot of bad news. When you wake up and listen to the radio or read the newspaper and you think about what's going on around the world, just with the whole area of the wars and the rumors of wars and the nations and the nations that are falling apart and the government, the economy, and the interest rates, and the diseases, and the medical world, and the things that are going on. And, and you start going through all the different news that comes our way. You start hearing about so-and-so broke up, and so-and-so got a divorce, and so-and-so has cancer, and, and this person can't find a job, and this person lost their wallet. Man, bad news everywhere. Bad news, bad news. Our whole world's falling apart. The whole cosmos, the, the whole ozone is breaking down and we're having heat waves and, and we're melting all the ice and what's going on with the Amazon and what's going on with all the people and the animals and our whole world is coming to an end. What's going to happen to us? I tell you, someone needs to come along to someone and say, hey, by the way, I got some good news. Yeah, what might that be, bucko? What, that the ozone layer is not as bad as we thought? Or that we haven't lost all the monkeys in the Amazon? What's the good news? The good news is there's a God who is in control of all this and even when this earth spends all of its wealth and all of its resources and burns itself up and whatever happens, there's a new world coming. Well, that's good news. What kind of a nut are you? What are you talking about? I'm talking about my God. There can be peace in the storm, hope for the future. The Lord knows the government. The Bible even talks about this stuff falling apart. You don't have to be afraid of what's going on. Even though people are rising up and there's all kinds of fear everywhere, I'll tell you right now, I have peace for life. I have faith for living. I have faith in God. And I want to pray for you to get rid of all this fear and negative thoughts you've been having because our God is a God of hope and future. Can I hear an amen out there? Somebody needs to spread a little good news. A little good news. Now, why is the Spirit of the Lord upon us? Let me go through a couple of scriptures with you. Four points. Each one of them have other points. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? What happens when He's upon me? And I want to give you four upons, all right? When the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I'm going to give you four or five what it means biblically to have the Spirit of the Lord upon me. First of all, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, number one. You can go ahead and put it up. Thank you. Upon me speaks of a powerful and permanent presence. 
of the Holy Spirit around and in man. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and lifted, came and lifted. Anointed people left, come upon them and left, come upon them and left. But when you get to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and stays. Everyone turn your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit's going to stay on you. He ain't moving. He's not going to come and lift, come and move away. It says in Ephesians 3.17, the Holy Spirit comes to abide in you, set up house in you, and will abide in you forever and ever. You become a recipient of the powerful presence of God. Number two, the word upon also speaks about a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. So that not only do I have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, I have a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit that results in being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled means to be full, up to the brim. It means to have enough to overflow, abundance, outflowing a river, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He comes upon you to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to just think about this for your own personal life. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have outflow. You have more than enough. You have enough Holy Spirit to flow through you in such a way that when you move into worship, you're filled with the Spirit. Your spirit is so overwhelmed in the worship service, you could sing and pray and get involved with worship because you have more than enough spirit to get you through a half an hour or an hour of worship and singing and intercession because you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit loves prayer and worship and intercession. You're so filled with the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Word, the Scriptures leap out at you. You're so filled with the Holy Spirit when you read the Bible, you talk out loud to yourself. You laugh a little bit. You pray in your spiritual language. You have a time of devotions where the Holy Spirit makes the Word alive. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, overflow, outflow, and abundance, and you talk with someone about Jesus, that overflow comes right out of you, and you find yourself ministering to them by the power of the Spirit. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, then you have no overflow, no abundance. You have no great force in you for worship, prayer, witnessing, giving, anything. It's just a little trickle somewhere down inside of you where you could sing one chorus and you're done. You pray for five minutes and you're finished. You think about a lost soul and it's a flash in your mind and it's gone. But if you're filled with the Spirit... It overflows and runs out of you everywhere, all the time. It's part of your life. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, get filled with the Spirit. And the Greek, the Greek word there is get filled and keep getting filled. Get filled and keep getting filled. Being filled with the Spirit is not an experience and an encounter of a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle of walking in the Holy Spirit. And so you need to keep yourself filled up, full of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an Amen. Number three, upon speaks of a powerful personal anointing. An anointing comes upon you. A personal anointing that equips and empowers you to do what you need to do. Now, the word anointing is not an emotion, a feeling. The word anointing actually is a word for authority. The word anointing is actually a phrase used with a symbol of oil and other things that really does indicate that a person has been authorized, commissioned, 
and place to do what they're supposed to do. Now, this is what I want you to write down right here. When you're in the will of God, when you're doing the work of God, when you're on track with your spiritual assignment in life, there's an anointing that comes with you because you're on track. When you're on track, God authorizes you to do it. God commissions you to do it. God gives you authority to do it. And as you move into that authority, you get more authority. And we call that the anointing of the Lord. The anointing of God is the grace of God on your life to fulfill the destiny He has in and over you. When you're on assignment and on destiny, the anointing of God will come on you in such a powerful way, you will find yourself being lifted up with confidence to do what you're called to do because you are absolutely plugged in to what God has for your life. Now, when you speak with someone about Jesus, you are authorized to do that. When you begin to break into someone's life, you are authorized to do that by the Holy Spirit. That is, you will have anointing well up inside of you to minister to that person because you're on track. That's assignment. That's what a Christian is supposed to do. If you never minister to anybody, you might never feel the anointing, the authority, and the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that comes when you actually step out and pour out from what you have into someone else's life. Number four, upon means... Holy Spirit commissioning. Now you have been commissioned by the Holy Spirit to do something very specific. The commissioning you have of the Holy Spirit, please write this down, is to speak words into people's lives. Not prophecy or, or super spiritual words, although it can take in that, but just to speak words of anything into people's life under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have been commissioned to do that. Now if you're like me and most of us, we get a little um, out of shape spiritually to speak with people. We don't have the confidence to do it. So we're kind of like Moses when God came upon Moses. Now I want you to speak. God, God was trying to get this man to be a deliverer. And Moses says, you know, I can't do this. I, uh, I've been in the wilderness too long. I've been out here by myself in solitude. I haven't been speaking to anybody uh, words come very hard for me. My vocabulary has shut down. I don't have the gift of oratory like I used to have in Egypt. I've just been out here 40 years on the backside of the desert, talking to a few sheep, looking at the stars, visit, visiting some burning bushes. And you know what? I just, don't, I just don't have a real flow to talk with people. And God got a little ticked off at Moses. He says, listen, I made man's mouth, and I can... I can uh, certainly give you the words to speak. And Moses still came right back and said, you know, I really, uh, you know, this is not going to work. And he kept making excuses. Now, I want to apply that to you that many times we in our own Christian wilderness sometimes, because we are in such solitude and we have not talked with people for so long, the Holy Spirit comes along and says, I want you to speak with that person right there. Oh, no, not me. No, I don't, I don't do that. Why? Oh, because my vocabulary is shut down. I don't have theological terms, and I, I don't even know if I can remember any of the scriptures to tell them. Have you ever been a little nervous when someone says to you, you're with a friend and they're witnessing, and your friend says, and my friend's going to give you a scripture in just a minute on what it means to be born again. And all of a sudden you freeze up. You've been listening to the Bible for days, months, and years. You know the Bible. But someone now puts you on the spot. I need a scripture for salvation. Now, are you ready? All right, here is a scripture for you to get a scripture. 
Are you ready? Put this down. Mark, or Matthew, chapter 10, verse 18. Do not worry. This is a great scripture. This is a great scripture for you to take into your spirit right now. Matthew 10, 18. Come on. Do not worry about how or what you should speak. Is this in your Bible? It is. It's in your Bible. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should say. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Wow. Matthew 10, 18 says, Don't get so hung up about speaking. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, are you ready? Everybody ready? I want you to say to your neighbor in a very short couple of sentences, how does a person find Jesus? I want you to say to your neighbor, this is how you find Jesus. One, two, three, go. Okay, how many of you would say, the person I'm talking to is still lost? All right, now, go with me to the last one. The, upon me speaks of a river of God coming upon you. Okay, the river of the Holy Spirit, John 7, 37. So you have a river. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of God will help you. It's not just your mind. It's not just mind to mind and, and intellect to intellect. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit is very smart. The Holy Spirit knows people, and he'll give you some words. It's not that difficult. Now, number two, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you need to speak good news to people. I want to give you, and you really should write this down, I'm going to give you some good news to say to people. If you want to tell somebody some good news, here's some things that works every time. Good news. Number one, Spirit of the Lord is upon me to pro proclaim good news. My good news is number one, forgiveness. God is able to forgive anybody of anything at all times. God is a forgiving God. He will dig deep. He will get, dig into the filth, the shame, the past. He will break off of you things that you never thought you could let go of. He will forgive you of things that you have hidden all your life. He is a God of forgiveness. He will not hold it against you. There's nothing you've done that will separate you that far from God. He'll bring you right back. How many of you know that's good news? All right, number two. Not only is he a God of forgiveness, he's a God of freedom. You have to be able to say to people, my God is able to set you free. My God is able to break all bondages, addictions, and problems in a person's life. My God will break the sin strongholds that's upon your mind and your heart. So you have to have faith for people when you talk with them. When someone says, but you know what? I'm addicted to drugs. You come right back and say, and my God is able to break bondage off of your life. He's a God who breaks drugs off of people. He's a God who created man. He knows exactly what to do with you. Have no fear here. I'm going to pray with you and we're going to help you. And you're going to break this off of your life. Everyone shout hallelujah. And so it comes to every area of life, whether it's disorder, eating disorders, if it's uh, some kind of a moral sin, a moral complexity, a moral problem. I'll tell you what happens to me, all right? I don't even believe my own preaching sometimes. When someone tells me their problem, and it's a deep problem, my mind goes to, ooh, boy, I don't think I can help them. And then they'll say stuff like this to me. And I've had a lot of people pray for me. Ooh. And then they'll say something like this. I've had the best pray for me. Ooh. 
My grandmother, who was a 50-year intercessory prayer missionary who lived in the dark hell of the Amazon and interceded for the natives and brought them out of idolatry and occultism and all kinds of weirdness. She prayed these natives right out. She couldn't touch me. Ooh. How do I feel? I've never done that. I have to have faith in the Word of God and I need to come right back to say, but you know what? I don't know who's prayed for you. I don't know what's happened in your past, but I'm going to start right now. My God is a God answering prayer God. My God is a God who knows people. My God has power to break this in your life. I don't know what happened with the best people you had before, but the best is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He never gives up on anybody. He has power to loose the chains and open the prison doors and, and bring life out of death, and He can break this thing off of your life. And in Jesus' name, I tell you to believe me right now. Well, the person might just say, I, I believe you. And then you look him in the eye and say, I am the best. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I am the best. Why? Because Christ is in me and I can do it. All right, good news of freedom. Here's another one. A good news of restoration. God can take your brokenness and all the pieces in your life and He can restore you and put them back together. He's a God. I mean, I've talked to people that have had Oh, man, some pretty big pieces broken up in their life. I've talked to people that have had multiple pieces over multiple seasons of life say to me, you, you really think that God can put this together? And again, I'd have to go, wow, I, you know, wow. In my mind, I want to say, no, you're a hard case. I think when God looks at you, he's going to say it's easier to create galaxies. I think when God looks at you, He's going to say it was easier to get the stars to sing one to another. It says that in the book of Job. I think when God looks at you, He's going to say it was easier in creation to put the earth into place than to help this soul right here. No, you have to put it into context. God is the God who creates. God is the God who makes. God is the God where nothing is impossible. You sing it all the time. God is the God who can touch to the deepest, to the tallest, to anybody. He's the God who can restore. He's the God who brings freedom. So I have to bring my life and say, God can restore your life. It might not look the way you think it's going to look, but God can restore your life. Can I hear an amen? It's good news, all right? Jeremiah 30, verse 17 with that one. Here's another one, number four, the good news of beauty for ashes. God can take any ashes any kind of failures and broken dreams and people's lives that have, have missed the target. And he can bring something good out of the miss, which nobody else can do the way God can do it. And God, the good news, God has destiny for you. You know, I think it's one of the great things to say to a person, God's hand is on you. God has destiny for you. God knows you. God has a plan for you. I've never failed with this one. When I quote Jeremiah 29, 11 and say, God has a future and a hope for you. You know what? God is thinking about you right now. Nah. Yeah, he is. He's thinking about you. God has been thinking about you for a long time. Eternity. You were known before you were born. God has watched every step you have taken. 
God knows every one of your problems, every one of your abuses, every one of your disappointments. God knows what has happened to you. God knows why you're so hard and why you're so mad and why you're... God knows everything about you. And you know what? God has orchestrated some of this in your life and He's going to bring good out of it. He's going to do something with you that's going to be mind-boggling. You have a destiny. God's hand is on your life. You were chosen. You are special. You're a person that God is thinking about right now. I can't imagine that a person won't respond with... Um, how, how can I get those thoughts out of heaven down to earth about me? If God's thinking about me, how can I get to know what God is thinking? I'm glad you asked. There's a connecting rod that you have to plug into to get the thoughts of God for your life. Lord, point me to it. I'll do it right now. Give me your hands. Take your neighbor by the hand right now. Just take your neighbor by the hand. Now, you're talking to a person that needs destiny right now. Come on, just take your, take your neighbor by the hand. Because you know what? Something's going to happen right now as you do what I'm talking about. And I want, you just to, I want you to have them repeat this prayer with you. I want you to say to your neighbor, pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need a destiny. I need a life. I need you to come into me and cleanse me. Heal me and fill me with a new destiny. Lord, I need to know you and your thoughts about my life. And so now, I turn my life over to you. Put your hand on me. Make me who you want me to be. I surrender all. In Jesus' name, let me know the thoughts of God. Let them come into my heart. Everyone stand to your feet.